Listening to the Common Fan Podcast, a Husker football podcast for the common fan by the common fan. Welcome back, Husker Nation. This is the Common Fan Podcast, and we are the Common Fans. I am TJ Burkle, as always, alongside Maddie Owens, Sr. and Geoff in Lincoln. We are very excited to be joined today by a legend in the long, glorious history of Nebraska football and more broadly, all of Husker athletics. He was the first ever strength coach in the history of college football. He pioneered the practice of strength and conditioning training throughout all of college athletics. He's been inducted into the U.S. Collegiate Strength and Conditioning Coaches Hall of Fame. He was recognized by Lindy's Magazine as one of the top 100 most important college football sports figures of the last century. And he is widely considered to be the godfather of the modern-day strength and conditioning profession. We are, of course, talking about Boyd Epley. Mr. Epley, thank you so much for joining the Common Fans today. I look forward to it. We're happy to have you. You're you're looking pretty fit, Boyd. It looks like you know you don't you still don't probably wouldn't have too much of a problem finding your way around the weight room. Well, I'll be seventy-seven <laughs> here before you know it, but. Uh... On my 75th birthday, I, I did squat 405 for two. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> my wife you my wife happened to videotape it and put it on Facebook. So a bunch, <laughs> bunch of people, what is this Beautiful. trying to do here? Well, we'll I'll, be to- as, I'll be polite during this interview and today, boy, because I don't want you to come looking for me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, maybe, you know, this we're the common fans, Boyd. So, you know, uh, maybe if there's some time at the end of the episode, you, we could get some tips on how to, you know, some 40, 40 something guys could, could get back into shape a little bit. Actually, I could do it right <laughs> now. There's two exercises I would recommend. Uh, the number okay. one exercise for everyone would be the squat. Really? And if you're an athlete, yeah. that, that'll give you strength. If you're an athlete, you need power also. Strength and power are part of almost every sport. And the hand clean or power clean, anything that moves uh, explosively will add that power. So those would be the two things. The power is a little more dangerous for older folks, but the squat is for everyone. Is there value in squatting even without weight? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Any, any movement like that gets the joints working together and um, keeps you functioning. Okay, I've had back surgery, so I try not to put too much weight on the spine. But I, I do some, I do the occasional air squat. Well, I'll give you a little tip there. Try walking about five steps upstairs backwards. Oh, okay. And I'm backwards. sure you've never tried that before, but that'll force your hips and knee and your lower back all to work properly. Okay. I'm going to try that. I'm going to hold tight. Great to the, information. Yeah, yeah. This is fantastic. I'm going to hold tight to the railing while I do it. Oh know, yeah. Just in case. Yeah, definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. But you'll be, you'll be shocked. Okay. I'm going to try that. That's great. Thank you. Well, um, we'd love to get into the origins, you know, kind of in history of, of Husker power um, because Nebraska really, you know, thanks to you has been a leader in this field for decades now. So you know, I, I went back and and I, you know, everyone should check out the book, uh, Devaney, Birth of a Dynasty by Henry Cordes. There's a lot of great stuff about the Devaney era. 
um, including about sort of the beginnings of Husker power. But Boyd, you personally were a, a devotee of, of strength training long, like for, you're just personally long before you started working with the football team. Is that right? I mean, can you tell us a little bit about your athletic career and how you got into weight training? Actually, I was uh, in high school in Phoenix, Arizona, and a person sat next to me in my English class, uh, lifted weights at a health club. And he ended up later in his career being uh, a Mr. America in bodybuilding in the short man's division. And so he had all these muscles. And for a smaller guy, probably 150 pounds, he had the look of about a 190-pound person with all these muscles. And his name was Pat Neeby. I said, Pat, uh, I need to gain about 20 pounds for football. I'm a junior, um, and i you know got two years left, and I want to get bigger. He said, why don't you come to my health club with me? So for $60 for two months, I was able to join a health club uh, not too far away. And the people in that health club were either weightlifters bodybuilders or powerlifters. There were three different areas. Powerlifting was slow movements like the squat and the deadlift and bench press. And then uh, weightlifting was explosive, like hang, uh, not a hand clean, but a clean and jerk and uh, a snatch. And then there were bodybuilders that just wanted to look better or maybe compete like he did. So just in that two-month period, I got to see what existed across the country in pockets here and there. There wasn't such a thing as what I call strength training. And that's when I added it for athletes. We called it strength training. And became we had people become strength coaches, strength and conditioning coaches. So those are kind of the terminologies. But in those two months, I gained 20, 25 pounds and went back and had a, a much better football career then. And of course, I was a track athlete also, as was a pole vaulter. And my pole vaulting got me a scholarship to the University of Nebraska to pole vault for Frank Savine. He was a legendary track coach at the time. He's since passed away, but track was always kind of a big sport in Nebraska. They've, they've always done well in, in that sport. And so I came in as a junior and set the school record the first meet. And so I was doing fairly well. And as I went through the in season and started to go into the off season, broke my leg outdoor. The pole vault pit was in Memorial Stadium, right where the football team would be standing on the sideline. That's where the pole vault pit was in the outdoor season for track and field. So it's kind of funny. I broke my leg in Memorial Stadium, <laughs> but uh, so that kind of short-circuited my junior year. Then at the start of my senior year as a pole vaulter, I hurt my back, and Doctor Paul Gutowski was the medical doctor for the football players and uh, the other athletes, and he 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 wasn't sure how bad I was hurt, and he, he thought we're we're a little worried about this. And so I kept trying to do some lifting to rehab it. And I felt pretty darn good. And he said, we're just not going to take a chance. We're afraid you might be paralyzed if you continue to pull ball. Oh, wow. Well, he Eesh. couldn't 
more wrong because I wasn't hurt uh, with a serious injury like he, he thought I might have. But I so I started spending a lot of time in the weight room, which was uh, an area not many people wandered into. It was next door to the athletic trainer's area, but you had to go up a set of steps and across what there was a stairwell that went down. So these steps went across that space and then you ended up on top of a staircase going down into this very small space that they had almost no equipment. They had five dumbbells and a universal gym machine and one Olympic set. And so that's what they had. Okay, my high school had better than that. My <laughs> junior college had way better than that. They even taught weight training classes at, in my Phoenix college. And here was Nebraska with what might look like what you might have in your house or worse than what you had in your house. So anyway, that's what I had. And um, so I started lifting and I, yeah, I had back problem if if I wasn't careful I had to wear a back brace it was a big brace about uh, 18 inches tall wrapped around my back and if I wore that I seemed to get along pretty well but they wouldn't let me pull board anymore but because I was spending so much time in the weight room I was stronger than any of the football players that wandered in there and um, <laughs> in fact some of the other track guys were too there was a guy named Steve Jepson that was a shot putter, and he was stronger than anyone in the weight room. And um, so it wasn't like I was some kind of freak. Uh, there were people lifting weights, but they were usually the track athletes. And they don't have uh, an in-season uh, as long or off-season as long as football. Um, I mean, they have more time on their hands when, when you're track to train. It's just a longer off-season period for them to develop. And so track people are generally stronger. Shot putters and discosaurs are almost always stronger than any of the football players ever. Just they had hmm. more time for it. So anyway, I was working out with those kind of guys. And one day, um, the trainer came up over that, uh, that set of steps and said, after you got a phone call. I go... A phone call. I mean, no one even hardly knows me in, the, in this whole state, you know. He <laughs> uh, said, Get in here. It's Tom Osborne. So I ran to, up over the steps, got on the phone, and he says, Well, this is Tom Osborne, you know, <laughs> the way he talks. It's a really good impression. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> and he says, uh, um, I know you're a pole vaulter and, and you got hurt and you've been lifting, and some of the football players have wandered in there. And as uh, they come back, they were hurt. But when they come back out to practice, they're they're actually doing better than they were before they got hurt. And I was wondering if, if, if maybe you could help the whole team. And I said, well, yeah, I did work with so-and-so. I named a couple guys, and, and they do work hard. And, and that was fine, but uh, we don't have we, we don't have much equipment here. We couldn't have the whole team work out here. He said, why don't you come over to my office, and we'll talk about it. So... I went over to his office, which is in the basement, of, or was in the upstairs of the Coliseum at the time. And uh, he had Cletus Fisher with him, the offensive line coach. And they encouraged me to help the other the other athletes in there. 
which I was already doing anyway. And so they decided to pay me $2 an hour to help. <laughs> that was a big salary back then. <laughs> Minimum wage was only $1.40 an hour. So I thought I was in pretty big, uh, it was a pretty big deal. <laughs> and so I did start helping them um, and more earnestly and, and they made good progress. And I had to, I had, well, I, before that, I said, well, we're going to need some more equipment because you don't have, you don't have, uh, we can only handle about four people or five people at a time. And I said, you don't have enough space either. He said, well, we could take that wall down that's next door and there's a classroom on the other side of that wall. That's where I show film to the receivers every afternoon. He said, if you allow me to uh, continue to show film in that room, for half an hour every day, about 2 or 2.30, whatever it was. I said, oh, sure, that'd be great. I said, well, if, if we want to get more space, then we need more equipment. He said, well, can you make me a list? I said, okay. So I, I went back home and made up a list, and I brought it in the next day. He looked at it. He says, this, this is what we need, right? And I said, yep. And he handed it to the secretary and said, order this. And I go, wow, this this is the way it should be, you know. I said, Coach, I forgot to bring the second page, and he, <laughs> he laughed because I had made two sets that I thought they needed and had to have, and then what I wanted them to have also. So he said, Well, what's on this list? I said, We have dumbbells and some extra things that I really could use. He said, This is it then, right? I said, For now. <laughs> I, I didn't want to shut the door on having that availability to talk to him about it or or the money i was wanted to for now this would be great he's all right now we need to go in and see bob i said bob he goes yeah bob devaney well i was a little scared at that point because bob devaney was the most powerful man probably in the state of nebraska yeah, I'm still not a, a college graduate yet. I'm a junior pullover, finishing up my junior year. So I go in there, and Bob looks up, and Thompson said, "You know, uh, you know Boyd Epley." And he goes, "Oh yeah, pullover, yeah, yeah. How you doing?" And then Tom says straight up, he says, "Boyd thinks we should have the football team start lifting weights." And Bob goes, why would we want to do that? <laughs> he says, I don't, I don't know. He says, my friend Duffy Doherty, the head coach of Michigan State, he, they don't lift weights. In fact, he says, I don't know of any team that lifts weights. Why would we want to do that? And they both looked at me, and I have no idea what I said, because <laughs> then my legs were shaking. I mean, it was a scary moment for me. But I knew it was a serious moment. Sure. I knew there was an opportunity of a lifetime sitting here. And so I tried not to screw it up. Whatever I said worked because mm -hmm. Danny said, okay, we'll give this a try. But then he pointed his finger in my face. And he said, if anyone gets slower, you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess no one got slower. Well, I didn't show him those test scores. I only showed him the ones that got faster. 
<laughs> Boyd, what what uh, what year was that? What year did that take place? 1969. Okay. Uh, so. What I did then is I went directly over to the physical education department where I was a student of that program, and I knew some of those teachers, and I knew the uh, chairman of the department. And uh, I asked the department chairman if I could borrow a couple stopwatches so I could test the football players accurately with a stopwatch. And sure enough, he let me borrow them. And I asked him what tests he thought might help me to evaluate talent and have a measuring stick so that if someone got better or faster or could do this or that better, that it, it would show the coaches that they were making progress or were at least headed in the right direction. He goes, there's something that people are doing called a, a sergeant test or a, a jump reach or vertical jump or – I don't know. There were several names for the same thing, but basically it was a vertical jump. How high can you jump? That was a measurement of power. So I figured, well, I can do that. And so I had the 40-yard dash and the vertical jump. The problem for me was the football coaches, we, we couldn't necessarily trust every one of them on the time that they would read. It depended on who they recruited. And so we had the kids, I had to have them run in the lane, had two coaches at the end, and they would each record their time on that kid. And then I had the kids rotate to another lane and then a third lane. So they ran in three different lanes by got time by six different coaches. And I then averaged their times because we had one coach and I won't say his name, but he's passed away now. If you if he recruited you, you ran a four four. <laughs> but on the clock, he ran a four seven or four eight. <laughs> you see what I mean? Yep. Well, that eventually I got tired of that, and eventually I went to the engineering department at Nebraska, and there were two engineers there that helped me develop electronic timing. So Nebraska was the first to have electronic timing. Oh wow. And at first, the coaches were pissed because it was accurate. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> but it was uh, it's something that caught on pretty fast. And now every, everyone is uh, timed electronically, even the NFL, everywhere. And many, many, many years later, um, the timer wore out. And the wires started touching the metal box on the side and was shorting itself out. So I went back to the engineering department and the guy who helped me originally had passed away, but I got two young engineers there that were not quite graduated yet. And they created even a new, better timing system. And they, they made a company out of it and it's called Dasher. So today across the nation, kids get time by Dasher. Wow. And it's something that they send, a, it'll send the time to your phone. Wow. If it can send it to your phone, it can send it to a scoreboard or any device. So all the coaches can see the score at the same time. When someone runs, it can be sent anywhere. That's incredible. So that so was kind of nice. And so uh, Coach Devaney generally uh, was pretty pleased 
with not only the time, but when he saw improvement. Because kids that lifted weights, if you do squats, you're going to have greater force against the ground. You're going to run faster. And it, it was like magic. So, I mean, that's got to have, you know, that's 1969, yeah. right, be- right before a couple of back-to-back national championship teams. Um, how- well, they'd gone six you got, you and gotta- four two years in a row. They were six and four, six and four. Yeah. And Devaney was on the hot seat, and there were Omaha folks were thinking about maybe he needed to fire somebody. And he made a statement, evidently, mm-hmm. that anyone goes, we all go. So you either fire all of us or shut up, basically. <laughs> and uh, so in '69, they did. They ended up winning nine games. Okay. Um, but what happened there was uh, that helped that, and I did not do this. Tom Osborne did it. He and uh, Cletus Fisher, the offensive line coach, they went down to Texas and looked at what some high schools were doing, and, and they had what called what's called winter conditioning. And so they they knew they needed to make a change after going six and four twice, and there was a lot of heat on them. So not not only did they want to start lifting, they asked me to run a station in this new program. Um, there were eight stations, and then the one I ran was in a hallway on the way to the indoor track or no, excuse me, on the way upstairs to an axe handle station where a guy would get down on the ground with a, an opponent and they would wrestle over this handle. And that was a real aggressive, a lot of guys tore up their shoulders doing that, but the, overall it was an aggressive drill that made these guys men. You either <laughs> yeah. performed or you got your ass kicked. Yeah. that was that wasn't so much for conditioning that was more of a mental attitude development uh in my station um we made a barbell with concrete cans on the end and the bars totally with the concrete in the cans weighed 47 pounds each roughly bill shepherd the equipment manager made them for me and so i had a five minute station where i had these guys lift this can the snatches and cleans and curls and whatever I could come up with for five minutes. I had them before they went on to the X handle drill. So then there were six stations inside the field house. And those were like agility drills, short sprints. And the problem was they had a five minute run. Every station was five minutes, five minutes of continuous running is not what football players need. Right. I'll tell you right now, that was because they didn't know any better. Sure. Mm-hmm. That is not the correct energy system. A football play lasts how long? Five, six seconds. Seconds. Yeah. Exactly. So why would you want to run five minutes to get in shape to go five seconds? Yeah. You get the idea? Yep. yep. It took yep. me years to get that changed. Years. <laughs> because there were a couple coaches on our staff that just believed in distance running. And then down in Texas, you had a guy named Ken Cooper that was the aerobic uh, guy that created a sensation worldwide for people to do distance running. There's certainly nothing wrong with distance running if you want to improve your cardiovascular fitness. But football is a different sport. And I knew that. And, man, did I have trouble. 
it was probably the most frustrating thing for me to overcome. And eventually my assistant, Mike Arthur, who's really the brains of my program, he and I put together a video called Conditioning for Power. I took it in, handed it to the coach, Coach Osborne, and I said, I'd like you to show this to the football coaches here. I'm going to leave now. I left the room, and we never ran distance again. Wow. <laughs> it, it's you And you worked with Coach Osborne for so many years. It really seems like, and maybe maybe it's, you know, he's obviously regarded as one of the greats of all time, but I sort of feel like he doesn't get the credit he deserves for being open-minded and being willing to try new and different things because, you know, wasn't there one of the things I read in the, in the book was about sort of a mindset of co coaches in those days about, well, weight training will make you slower or whatever. And it seems like Coach Osborne was always kind of open-minded to trying new things, whatever can give the team an advantage. You're exactly right. And he and I went and tried all kinds of crazy things. <laughs> Meditation, <laughs> anything that came along, we looked into it. Uh, but the things that he and I both settled on were nu good nutrition and hard training, not distance running. <laughs> yeah. And so once we got that took me years to get that right, I'm telling you. But um, look, by about 1995, we were dominating people in the fourth quarter. In fact, one of those years, maybe it was 97, we weren't even scored on in the fourth quarter. Wow. That's uh well that's what that was we were we were teenagers in those days and I think that's probably what what those those 90s teams are what hooked a lot of a lot of uh, Husker fans for life for sure. So if you that's see awesome. any football players doing distance running, yeah, they need to rethink what they're doing. <laughs> that is awesome. So boy, it's interesting. it's you know, it's one thing you know, to be a student athlete, you're kind of getting into the weight training thing on your own. Um, then suddenly you get asked by Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne yeah. <laughs> to, to build this entire strength training pro program for an entire, you know, football team, which, you know, even in those days was, was taken seriously, very seriously by the entire state. You know, how, how did you go about it there? I would assume there's not nearly as much information out there about proper technique or sports okay. science or anything like that. You know, how did you figure out what kind of exercises to do and just different things like that? Well, I realized that I didn't know everything. And so for, I gave myself a three-year window to go try everything that I could come across. So I actually competed in weightlifting, which is the explosive type of lifting. I competed in powerlifting, which is the slow movement, like the deadlift. And I competed in bodybuilding. And so from each of those three sports that already existed, um, I picked up things that I knew would help football. And in bodybuilding, there wasn't really anything that carries over to football, except maybe to look better. And that wasn't big enough. So it was basically nothing from there. Uh, even though I won Mr. Nebraska three years in a row while I was doing these three years of research. Nice. And the powerlifting uh, also was the state powerlifting champion and also the state weightlifting champion. And all those years, I won everything and every deal. 
and was able to check them all out. So from powerlifting, we got the squat. It's a slower movement. It's not the answer for some things, but it's kind of confusing because that slow movement increases your speed because it increases force against the ground. Your legs are so strong that when they take each step, you're, you're, you're actually increasing your stride length. You can run each step. You go farther. You go faster. And from Olympic lifting, I got a part of the clean, not the jerk, but the clean. You don't need to do the jerk. You just need to do the explosive, what's called a triple extension. Your ankle, knee, and hip all contract at the same time. So that triple extension develops a lot of power and force. And if you can explode on an angle into the opponent, that's a pretty powerful thing for an offensive lineman. So I was looking for things that would do that. And unfortunately, we didn't have them. So I had to create them. I had to create a lot of equipment. Another problem was we didn't have the space. Now, Coach Osborne gave me that film room, but I needed to fill it up. And they didn't make the things I needed. So I got to hooked up with a welder at the university. And one day I, I saw out the window, this film room that Osborne gave me had a big window. I'm looking out the window and I see they're tearing down the fence post. They're, they're going to move Avery Avenue over to make a baseball field. The baseball field isn't there anymore. But Tony Sharp coached on that baseball field for many years. But they tore the fence posts down in order to move the road. So I went out there and I said, hey, guys, what are you going to do with those fence posts? They said, haul them to the dump. I said, can I have them? I said, take all you want. So I made squat racks and power racks and bench presses. I made all kinds of equipment. For a six-pack of beer, I could get a power rack made. This welder was a guy that just <laughs> liked to do me favors. And we just made all kinds of equipment. And so I basically tried to recognize what I didn't have and somehow make it happen. And that allowed our program to really explode. Yeah. That's but we didn't, have the, we didn't have the space we needed still. So about that time, the varsity football program moved down to the south end of the stadium. And they left that locker room space, which was right next to the weight room. All they had to do is tear out the doors, and we had twice the size of the weight room. It doubled in one day. And that was pretty pretty uh pretty impressive area then in that North Stadium. So one day, Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne are walking around and they're looking at spaces. Um, the freshmen are at one end of the stadium and I'm at the other end of the stadium uh, and I'm occupying what used to be the varsity locker room and the training room and his film room. Okay, I got that space. So that's maybe 1,500, 2,000 square feet. I said, what are you guys looking for? And he said, well, we're looking for a place to put the visiting team because that locker room down there under the East Stadium was just terrible. And every time a team would come in to play us, the coaches would complain and it would get in the newspaper and people were making a big deal out of it and the van needed to do something. So I said, well, do you mind if I walk with you? 
So they walked under the east, or excuse me, the west stadium, which is where this welder was, the carpenters, the painters. This is where the what's called the job pool. Those guys were the ones that did the maintenance for the whole university. And there are, they could park trucks in there. They had all, it was a giant 30,000 square foot space. Well, largest weight room in the country was 6,000. And I, so I looked around, I said, coach, uh, I would take this space and you could have the visiting team dress where the varsity used to, which is weight room now. But we could, the shower's still there. The rest, the toilets are still there. He said, wow, you would do that? I said, yes, I would. <laughs> <laughs> he says, all right, I'll give you the space, but no new equipment. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So he did give me 200000 to fix it up, carpet and paint. And so about a month before we're ready to move in, I went to Coach Osborne and I said, Coach, I need about I need about sixty thousand dollars to get new equipment, or we're just gonna have a bunch of old stuff in there and it's not gonna match this beautiful space. He says, just just a minute. He went and made a phone call and he came back, he says, I got you ninety thousand. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. That's incredible. Coach, I, I only figured I needed 60. He goes, you better go refigure that. <laughs> <laughs> he was tremendous. So That's we great. got $90,000 worth of new equipment in the world's largest weight room space. And wow. that's what made it, that, that's what sort of made it well known. But uh, Jerry Pettibone was the recruiting coordinator and he had him take a picture of it. A wide picture. I mean, a wide picture, not just a little eight by ten. And they had my name on it and picture, and a picture of this thirty thousand square foot weight room. And he sent it to every high school in the country. That's awesome. That's what made Nebraska famous. There you go. Lifting. That beat, yeah, that, that beats the hell out of that beats the hell out of two dollars an hour, doesn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, the uh, the NC two A then made a rule. That schools could not spend that kind of money and send things out to high schools like that. <laughs> of course. They wow. Did. Yeah. It made it even better for us because no one else could beat that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, boy, do you, you know, you, you, you come on in 69 to, to head up the strength training, basically creates this strength training program. And then like TJ said, we've got a couple of back-to-back national championships there. So kind of the college football world is seeing Nebraska have this success now and probably looking at this like, well, what are they doing differently? So when did you start to see other schools, other football programs kind of copy you and follow suit and, and try to get their, now their weight rooms improved and, and, and maybe develop their own kind of program for, um, for strength training. Well, it happened very quickly. Um, my very first assistant was Jim Williams and Arkansas hired him within a few months as soon as they found out what I was doing. And then um, when Tom Osborne became the head coach, um, the offensive coordinator who did not get the job, Carl Selmer, who would have been who would have been a really good strength coach, or excuse me, a really, really good football coach for Nebraska. Tom Osborne got the job instead of Carl. 
So Carl went to be the head football coach at Miami. Oh, wow. He was our offensive line coach, very good coach, good guy. So he called me and asked if I would come down and design his weight room. So I did, and I met this very wealthy man down there who bought everything. One guy paid for an entire new weight room for the University of Miami. Well, then they needed someone to run it. So then they hired my second assistant, Steve Bliss. And he went there. And he was only there a couple of years. And I get a call from Woody Hayes. He says, I'm at the Orange Bowl. We're practicing over here at Miami. And I see that they got a strength coach named Bliss. You think I should hire that little guy? <laughs> I said, yes, you should. <laughs> and so he hires it was pretty amazing to get a call from Woody Hayes. I mean, yeah, he, no, no he, kidding. He was top of the line at the time. And so he hired Steve Bliss. And uh, um, so I was, uh, so what happened? I started losing people. So my next one was named Mike Arthur. And Mike Arthur, I made it clear to him, look, I cannot keep losing guys. What do I need to do here? And Mike stayed with me the rest of my career. And he just, he was uh, let go the day Matt Rule got hired. Oh, no wow. <clears throat> wow. Yeah, which wasn't just, wasn't something that I'd want to talk about much because it wasn't pretty. Yeah. It shouldn't yeah. have happened that way, but that's not my business. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that Mike Arthur was one of the smartest strength coaches that has ever lived and made me look good for a long time, and he should have got way more credit I got all the credit for things that he did or he thought of or just that's not fair, but that's the truth. It's the way it is. Hmm. And so um, the next guy was Jerry Schmidt. Notre Dame hired him. And then Florida State hired John Jost. And, um, it just went on and on to where uh, And Coach Osborne has a new book out. And I looked at it the other day. And in there, he made a statement. I didn't know that he even realized. But it said in there that 60 of my former assistants were hired at other uh, top programs around the country. Holy cow. And uh, when I went to the NFL Combine uh, last this last one, there were eight of them in the NFL that were there. That's a wow. nice stater metric to be able to, yeah. it's the, to, hang, the, to hang on your mantle. The yeah. Boyd Epley coaching tree. Yeah, coaching tree. Yep. Yep. And even, you know, it goes worse than that because uh, the string head string coach at Clemson uh, didn't work for me, but he claims that he did because he works for Gary Wade, who did work for me. (laughs) The the Detroit Lions hired Gary Wade and then he got hired at Clemson. And so Joy Batson, who's a tremendous string coach for Clemson, he's part of the Epley tree because he worked for Gary Wade. Yeah. Oh, so what sure. so, was yeah. it was it always really collaborative like that like when you went down and helped Miami set up their their weight room or was there a sense of Nebraska having this competitive advantage and we want to keep it under wraps as long as possible or was it just kind of like look this is helping athletes this is helping everyone we need to kind of embrace this across college athletics each, each thing happened one at a time and it wasn't like it was uh, on purpose it just was meant to be and I just yeah. tried to help people as they needed it. I didn't put it all together and say, what the heck am I doing? <laughs> Giving away <laughs> the tickets? No. Um, we just always tried to be a step ahead by uh, paying attention to what the athletes needed. 
like this endurance thing, there are there are still four NFL teams that do a mile and a half run. There are still people that don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh Boyd, just to kind of piggyback off of what Owens was asking you before. Um now let's just jump up to like today. Everybody's got a strength and conditioning program. Um, they focus on nutrition. I mean, if you look at the NFL, these athletes are built like machines now. I mean, it's crazy how strong and athletic these 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 adults are now. Um, is there anything in your mind in today's strength and conditioning programs that can still give Nebraska edge over the competition? Because everyone's kind of caught up with that now in a certain sense. Um, and is this an area that we can still evolve in and kind of grow and expand? Well, Nebraska is getting a new weight room. Um, about three years ago, I was still there. I visited, uh, along with about five other people, several universities, including Alabama and Oklahoma and Clemson and all of these big schools to kind of see what they're doing and made plans. And so this Go Big project is what got built. And the weight room part of it isn't open yet. I think in a, in a few days, this next week, they're going to deliver the lifting equipment to the space. And it will be one of the largest weight rooms um, in the country. I, I don't have an exact measurement of it because about three years ago since I've been involved with it. But um, Corey Campbell is the new strength coach, and he was with Matt Rule before. And he's a pretty good guy. And I, so I think the strength program is probably in good hands, but it's different. When I was there, I had a department of strength and conditioning. I had all the sports. And I had about 33 people working for me. And they didn't all get paid. So I had a booster club called Husker Power Club. And we, when I left, I left $300,000 in the bank. So we would just, so people were real helpful in giving me money because they knew it was going to get used for the right reasons. And so some of the people got basically paid by the Husker Power Club and some got paid by the university. And I had three secretaries. So I had an operation that you can't even recognize because it's not there anymore. Uh -huh. Completely different deal where the football staff now has their own strength coaches, but they also have a research lab and they have nutrition people and they have psychologists. I had all that under one team. All those people were worked with me. Well, now they're different departments that are within the department of, of athletics. And so those different departments, like nutrition works with the other sports too, where, um, but they, do, they don't necessarily report to like Matt Rule. They're independent in some ways. It's a little different. They, they all branched out and grew and got big. But at one time we were the performance team and all those people who had one focus and we met every week and tried to help everybody we could. One thing I'm curious about is um, one thing that seems to have proliferated among uh, normal people, shall we say, common fans, um, 
uh, or, or things like sauna and ice baths and things like people are talking, like touting the health benefits of those things. And a lot of people are now are into the cold showers and different things like that. Did you do any of that sort of deliberate heat and cold exposure over the years? Is that a newer thing for athletes too? Or is that something that has been around for a long time? Well, that's fairly new because of the facilities that are needed to do those things. Oh, sure. We had <laughs> showers that were not the best showers. <laughs> the <laughs> toilets didn't even have walls beside them. <laughs> they, had they had like six or seven toilets with these black seats that fold up, and there were no wall dividers. If you went to the bathroom, oh. some big lineman next to you going to the bathroom at the same time. <laughs> Fortunately, that building has been torn down, Schulte Field House. But that's what we had. So as we visited uh, this, this facility crew, we flew to these different schools, we saw a lot of those new innovations. And a lot of those things are in place at Nebraska now already. And they've got some of those things already up and running. The weight room is kind of last to be part of that Go Big project. And and I imagine, I'm, I'm speaking without really knowing the facts here, but I imagine the reason is the construction people have so many tools and machines and hoists and so forth. They had to have a place to put their stuff. And on a campus, there's not a place to put stuff. So they put all their stuff in the weight room space while they finished up the building. Now, I think the space is probably ready to go for the equipment, which I think is coming in here next week uh, to be delivered. Nice. So I'm going to go down and try to take a look at it. I haven't been in that room at all, ever. Oh. There is one thing that I did get built, though, before I was done, and that I saw a ramp at Michigan when I was there. It was so steep. I just said, man, that is not right. And um, I mean, you got to be able to run up and run down. And this thing, I think, wasn't built right. And so I did some research on it and ended up contacting Yale University and had them do further research. And so we, we came up with a recommendation of three degree ramp to start with that would be able to adjust in height over time for advanced runners. So Nebraska has a ramp that's three to six degrees and can be either way, up or down. And I haven't gone in to see it yet, but evidently it's done and it's unique and no one else in the country has anything like that. Awesome. Interesting. I don't know. I don't know if they'll they'll even use it or know how to use it, but they've got something special there. Wow, wow. that's cool. Well, Boyd, it's uh, you know you're certainly a legend in the state of Nebraska, and, and really, I think throughout the whole college football uh, universe. But you kind of mentioned that you know you've fairly recently been to the NFL Combine, and you've talked to folks at Alabama and Clemson and those places. Are you doing? Are you what are you doing these days? Are you doing some kind of consulting in this field or? Or what are you up to right now? Yeah, when I retired three years ago, I looked around and who would uh, who would I hook up with that would make sense for me and and that I could actually help? 
because I've already worked with several equipment companies over the years and and have created some pretty unique pieces of equipment that some of them are in the Hall of Fame down in Austin, Texas. I've created an adjustable bench that um, with tractor jacks so that the guys with the long arms wouldn't have to start down here. They could start up there. Mm-hmm. So anyway, there's several machines like that that we've out of need have created and um so i called a company named matrix and most most of you probably don't don't know what matrix is but they're the largest producer of strength equipment in the world they have factories in five countries and so they they're uh, you know powerlift is right over here in iowa so more more of you have probably heard that name York has been around forever, but they don't make what we need. Um, there's Hammer Strength, which I helped create the jammer and push-pull machines. There's all these different companies that I worked with over the years that are smaller companies, but they, uh, they're good companies. But I've already kind of worked with them. So I called Matrix because they're big. I wanted to have someone that maybe I could help. And I found out that Kent Stevens is the vice president. He was an assistant for me years ago. And I helped him get a job at the San Francisco uh, baseball, the Giants. Oh, wow. And uh, he, oh, yeah. So for th- over three years now, I, I represent Matrix. In fact, um, there's three strength coaching conferences annually. The NSCA, which I created here in Nebraska, has now a January and a July. One's kind of for high schools and one's kind of for colleges. Either can go to whichever, but they have two each year and have since 1978. Started in Lincoln. The office now is in Colorado Springs. Well, some of the strength coaches didn't like the NSCA because there's a lot of researchers and they're smart and they take over. And so these <laughs> actual weight room strength coaches wanted to have just meetings of their own. So I went to a meeting of the, their very first meeting to try to talk them out of that. And ended up being part of them too. <laughs> so I was on their board. And so uh, I've attended every, not every single one of their conferences, but I go to three a year then. And so Matrix is the one that takes me now to to help them at these conferences. And I just got back from one the other day. I was gone while I talked to you. So, uh, and that's still got one little finger in the industry. And so I ain't dead yet, so I'm saying. <laughs> That's the spirit. Love it. Well, we really appreciate you coming on. Really appreciate your time. I did. I did want to ask one more question. Sure. If you don't mind. It's pretty incredible that, you know, you were like had a front row seat and an active role with Bob Devaney, Tom Osborne, all the legendary assistants who came through there over the years. You've seen what a successful football program looks like, you know, inside and out. So, you know, we're, we're the common fans. We're a, we're a fan podcast. We're, we're, we're homers. Right? We're, we're, and we're drinking the rule aid, but wondering if you have early, 
early uh, impressions of Coach Rule and and the direction he's taken the program and and thoughts for maybe going into year two? Yeah, I liked Coach Rule when I first saw him, and uh, then I met him at the Allen Trophy uh, banquet, and he he said <laughs> it was an honor to meet you. He said that to me, and I'm going, <laughs> "Wow, this guy's pretty sharp." <laughs> and so I said, "I'll make an appointment and come see you." So I did. I went to. I made an appointment. I went in to see him, and um, I offered him some things that would be free to him. And he said, "You know, Boyd, we we've been doing what we're doing for the last ten years, and I think we're just going to stick with what we're doing." Um, so he wasn't interested in even learning what those things were, but, um, I did see the defensive coordinator at the football coaches meeting at North Star High School. There's in the summer, there's an annual high school convention there. And this year we had, I'm going to hold this thing up. We, I had something new and I was going to tell Coach Rule about it. You probably won't be able to see this very well. I can but see it. This is oh, cool. an award for, and we had a state championship for my performance index. So remember we said you do a 40-yard dash or you do a vertical jump or you also do a pro agility run? Mm -hmm. Based on what you weigh, if I tested all three of you and you all jumped the same, the one that was the heaviest actually did a better job because you had to move more weight to do that okay and so a vertical jump if you're 200 pounds and you jump 30 inches that's pretty impressive but if you're 300 pounds and jump 30 inches you're unbelievable <laughs> that's really impressive <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So, so this index that we've used forever you've probably heard of the performance index before it allows you to kind of compare one athlete to another and we sent out forms across the state this um, through a company that invented those timers, Dasher, the electronic timing people. They're the ones that collected all the data and they were there with their equipment. And we tested the top four athletes in class A, B, C, and D, boys and girls, at the first ever performance index championship at North Star High School. And we'll do it again this year. Well, Tony White was there. Huh. And, uh, so he and I talked for quite a while. So uh, I think there might be a chance that they might be interested if if I ever got my hands on their test scores and then could add my index, they would be able to see really who who is a, who has an advantage based on what they weigh and how they perform. And um, but who knows? Maybe they won't care. <laughs> wow. That's very cool. I, I shudder to think what you would find if you tested the three of us. So, you know, oh. maybe we'll, we'll <laughs> that kind of, <laughs> that kind of leads me down a road here, Tej. Boyd, I just had two things before we let you go. Hey, go ahead. Um, I'm 150 pounds soaking <laughs> wet. And you had mentioned that you met a guy back in uh, Arizona. that was about 150 pounds, but ripped, so to speak. You are neighbors with a friend of ours. So if I ever swing by, uh, is there any way that you could guarantee that you could build me into like, I don't know, a brick shit house, so to speak? <laughs> no, it all depends on work ethic. Gotcha. Oh, so you're doomed, Jeff. Yeah. You're doomed. <laughs> right. so I could show you uh, a technique on the squat, for an example, 
but then you got to do it. Yeah. You don't it do makes it. For... You, you, it's like water in a plant. You either water it or you don't. It'll either die or yeah. it'll grow. Right. It would make for a hell of a documentary if we were. I was just going to say we could we could do a reality series about Jeff <laughs> yeah. trying to get rid. It's not rocket science. You got to right. take a break. You got to take a break from uh, the Amigos drive-through, Jeff. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. they don't they don't go well together. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then real quick, just the other thing, and this is more of a statement than a question or anything, but as a common fan, I've I casually have been a Nebraska fan my entire life. Um, the one thing that as common fans, I think that gets thrown out there is you always hear the names. Um, Bob Devaney and Tom Osborne and how they paved the way for Nebraska football. But in my humble opinion, um, Boyd Epley, I think it's fair to say is probably an intricate, not probably is an intricate and will always be a reason that Nebraska football is where we're at to this day. So kudos to you. You've, you've had an awesome career. So thanks yeah. for doing this. Amen. Well, I was Amen. Gonna, I'm, I'm glad you said that because <laughs> uh, I didn't realize not this card. This is a card I made when I retired. Uh, because when I retired, the vice chancellor who hired Bob Devaney, he told me that Bob Devaney said this quote, Boyd Epley was the best hire I ever made. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Ring endorsement. That's incredible. I thought it was, thought it was just, Fantastic. just blowing smoke, you know. <laughs> Then he went back and sent me a letter, and he listed every coach that Vanny hired. Wow. And there's cool. there's some that, and there's some names on that. The, yeah. I worked sure. with the other sports, so see, and that's yeah. and I helped with the facility. So it was more than just um, a job coaching. It was all those things, and that's why Devaney, over time, he became a big fan. He did awesome. Well, that's fantastic. A, a real testament to you. And we really appreciate you coming on uh, the Common Fan Podcast. I, I I don't know about you guys. I can't get enough of these stories. So I love hearing yeah. about the the origins yeah. of Husker Power and, and how it really set Nebraska apart for a long time. So really appreciate your time today. If you get by Paul's house, stop by. I got a couple of things you'd probably like to see. Uh, we're we're going to take like you up that. on that. Right. So yeah. we'll you know, do that. Hopefully yeah, you don't, don't be alarmed when you hear a knock Bring on the door. some bush light. <laughs> you got it. There you go. You got it. All right. Well, thanks so much to the legend Boyd Epley for joining us today. I think all common fans are going to love this episode. Uh, we'll catch you again soon, common fans. As always, GBR for life.